0: Well, good afternoon. Welcome to Soul City Church. You made it. You did it. I don't know how you got here through the rain and all the weather. Maybe you took a kayak or a raft or an ark, but you made it. You're here. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City, and we are actually wrapping up a two-week teaching series. Last week, we kicked it off. This week, we're wrapping it up. We're not messing around, getting through stuff. And so what we've been talking about is climate change. How do you change the climate, the environment in your most important relationships. Uh, Last week, Gene and I talked about how you do that in your family and your friends. This week, we're looking at how you can actually change the climate where you work. Wherever it is that you work, you can actually change the climate where you work. Now, I know we all work in lots of different places and lots of different ways. Maybe you work In an office, maybe you work in a warehouse, maybe you work in retail, maybe you work from home or at a hospital or a salon, maybe you're the boss, maybe you're not the boss yet, but you wish you were. Maybe you work remotely. Lots of different contexts for how we work and where we work, but what we're gonna talk about today actually applies to all of us, no matter what it is that you're doing or how it is that you may be doing it. You may be working from home, you may be staying at home right now. But the principle that we're gonna look at today, if we actually applied it to our lives has the power to radically transform, to shift, to change the climate where you work. And I'm excited for us to get into that. I have some really, I think, helpful, spiritually practical next steps that each of us can take this week. But I want you to answer a question with the person sitting next to you. I want you to think about where it is that you work, whatever it is that you may do, however it is that you may do it. If you had to describe the climate, the current work climate, How would you describe it? If you had to sum up the work environment where you work in one word, what would you say that is? If you had to describe it in one word, so either in your home or at work or at school, whatever it may be, if you had to describe that current climate in just one word what would it be does that make sense so i want you to turn to the person next to you this should be pretty easy it's just one word so i want you to, you don't have to like give a you don't this is not a time to vent maybe i should say that this is not a time to vent all right we can do that later this is just one word description about where you work what's the climate where you work turn to the person next to you, you got 30 seconds to share one word ready set go That sounds like more than one word. A little processing going on here. That's all right. Safe space. All right, we all work in different climates, cultures, environments. Maybe yours is healthy. Maybe yours is helpful and supportive. Maybe it's unhealthy. Maybe it's toxic. Maybe it's competitive. Maybe it's supportive. Lots of different words. I remember... Like when I think of the current job I have, I would have to say it's the healthiest place I've ever worked. Uh, I don't know who the leaders are, but they're doing something right. As far as I'm concerned, they really seem to know what they're doing. But the my first job I ever had, like exact opposite. Not so much. First job I had, I was 14 years old. My parents really believed in us starting like getting to work uh, early so they could stop paying for stuff. And so my brother and I both had jobs pretty early. And uh, my first job was at a place called D and D Cycles. Uh, It was back in a warehouse district in the Bay Area, not a place 14 year olds should be hanging out. And uh, this place only had four employees, including me, the boss, two other guys, and me. And it was not a healthy or helpful, some might even call it a toxic environment. And I remember that two of the guys that worked there with me were a little bit older than me in their 20s covered in tattoos before it was cool to have tattoos these guys were covered and they were both in a punk rock band and so the music that blasted in this warehouse was punk music all day songs I could barely understand but the words I could understand I probably shouldn't have heard at that age and so just intense in that regard but it wasn't only just that it was the jokes that they would tell like during breaks and the way that they would talk again not very appropriate for a 14 year old my mom had no idea what she was dropping me off at when she would drop me off there but not only was it unhealthy and toxic in that regard, the work they had me doing actually was as well. I would spend six hours on a Saturday in one of those metal shipping containers, you know, like you see on boats. I would be in one of those with a power sander, sand, like sandblasting down bikes and 10 speeds and getting all the pain off them, inhaling all kinds of unhealthy things. I think my body is still paying the price for that. So not a healthy work environment, you might say. All of us can kind of look back at different seasons of our life and say, you know, if we had to kind of pick the climate, I think we'd all say, yeah, I I could describe it in one word. I could describe it like this, maybe even the current job that you have. But what I didn't know at the time, 14 years old, first job, what I didn't know at the time was that I actually had more power than I even realized, that I had the power at 14 years old in that environment to actually change, to reset the climate around me that I could have changed and reset the climate around me. See, Gene and I talked about this last week. If you were here, you, you heard it, or if not, you can catch up online. We talked about the difference between these two things. Big difference, this is a thermometer. You're all familiar with thermometers? And this is a thermostat, huge difference. Thermometers are great, helpful tools. What does a thermometer do? It tells you what's going on, tells you what your body temperature is, tells you if 98 degrees, 101 degrees. It's very, very, very helpful, but it doesn't have the power to change anything. It just reflects what is, right? But then there's a thermostat. Thermostat is very different. A thermostat actually can set the temperature or reset the temperature. It can change the climate in your home, can change the climate in real time, There's a big difference between a thermostat and a thermometer. And that really is a choice that I had at 14 years old that you have, whatever job you have right now, all of us have, wherever it is that we show up to work, whenever it is that we show up to work, you have the power to either reflect the climate at your work or to reset the climate at your work. Like we talked about last week, you're either going to reflect it, that's just a thermometer, or you can reset it. You can literally set the climate the culture around you. And that's really the work that God has actually created us to do and invited us to do. Whether or not you're in charge, whether or not you've been there a long time, wherever it is that you might work, God has actually given you a transformational tool that has the power to reset the climate where you work. And here's the crazy thing. You've had this tool with you at every job you've ever had. I had it with me in that shipping container. You have it with you wherever you show up on Monday. You've had this tool with you at every job you've ever had. In fact, here's the crazy thing. You've had this tool with you your whole life. And so we want to learn how to use it well today. So grab a Bible if you would and open to Ephesians chapter four. If you brought a Bible with you, fantastic. If not, that's okay. We got you covered. There should be one right in your seat back in front of you. Grab a Bible and a pin. You're going to want to have both If you don't have a Bible or you don't have a pen, grab one. There should be one right in front of you or in the seat back in front of you. And we're going to open to Ephesians chapter 4. In the Gray Bible, it's page 816. Page 816 in the Gray Bible. That'll kind of fast track you there to get you there. Let me give you some context as to this book and where we're coming at specifically with this principle that we're all going to look at and apply to our lives today. The book of Ephesians wasn't actually a book. It was a letter written by the Apostle Paul, greatest leaders in church history, wrote just under about half of the New Testament, and he was writing this letter to the church at Ephesus, a city that had a very oppressive culture around them. Very, very, very oppressive culture around them. The culture that they lived in was not, shall we say, faith-friendly. And so he was writing them a letter to encourage them, to remind them who they are and who they've been invited by God to be. And in this particular part of the letter, in Ephesians 4, he's giving them, climate-changing, like spiritually practical wisdom, ways that they can shine bright in the dark days and the culture that surrounded them. So that's what I want us to look at from Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at just one verse. Ephesians four twenty nine. And when I pause here, I should let you know the rules in advance. When I pause here, that means that it's your opportunity to shout back the next word to me. Does that make sense? If you've been here before, that's kind of how we play with the Bible. So if not, when I pause, that's not because I'm forgetting my place. That's for you to shout back. Here's the best thing. It's an open book test and all the answers will be on the board. So you really can't fail. So all you have to do is shout back to me, all right? So Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, do not let any what? Good job. Any unwholesome. Now, that's a funny word. We'll get to that in a minute. Any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, lots to unpack there. But right out the gate, what Paul is doing here is he's saying, listen, when it comes to unwholesome talk, there's no place for it in our lives. How much unwholesome? Unwholesome talk should we allow in our lives? None. We shouldn't allow any of it in our lives. Now, we have to break down that phrase, unwholesome talk, because my hunch is that's not a phrase you use, like, ever. Unwholesome talk is only something your grandma would say or that you'd find in the Bible. So, what does that phrase, unwholesome talk, actually mean? Well, what Paul is referring to here is a word, the original Greek word, is actually a word that Jesus used several times in the gospel accounts, and it's a word to describe rotten fruit. So now think about that in context. Don't let any rotten words, rotten fruit, come out of your mouth with the words that you choose, something that could be so ripe and sweet and healthy and helpful, but instead is sour Is bitter, is unhealthy for you and even those around you. You ever come across a piece of rotten fruit, like that one little orange hide in the back of the fruit drawer that you forgot about in the fridge, or maybe you like you went to grab an apple and your thumb went through it. That's not supposed. Apples aren't supposed to do that, are they? You know what I'm saying? You come on, we've all found that. Our kids have. Zero tolerance for rotten fruit. If there is a tiny brown spot on a banana, a soft spot on an apple, it's game over for fruit that day and maybe for the whole week, right? They just have zero tolerance. No, no one chooses rotten fruit. So why would we choose rotten words, unwholesome talk, specifically as it relates to our work environment, those that we work with? What benefit is that to anyone, including ourselves? And yet so often, again, I don't know where you work, but I know enough about work to know that lots of times work can feel like someone's just slicing up and serving up a rotten fruit salad every day. And it's easy to just kind of join in in that activity, to join in in that climate, to just simply reflect that climate or that culture. How do we do that? How do we kind of serve up rotten, unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful words at work? Well, a couple that you probably already know. I mean, one of the ways that a lot of people do it is through gossip at work. And maybe you have they call it water cooler talk. Maybe you've been caught up in that gossip about the boss, gossip about a certain employee that's on the bubble, gossip about headquarters or your division or management or whatever it may be. It's really easy to engage in gossip. And gossip simply is talking about someone without them being there. It's just talking about someone without them being there. And adding your story, your spin onto what you think about them without them actually being there. It's words that you'd say about someone without actually saying that to them. That's an easy way that we serve up unwholesome talk. Paul says there's no room for that in your life. There's no room for that at work. No one wins when you serve up that kind of rotten fruit. Another way is a word the Bible uses is slander. That takes gossip to the next level. Slander is a intentionally malicious attack on someone's character. That's where you kind of start spreading the story. That's where you go after someone, attack someone. Whether it's true or not, always in your mind it's true, but rarely in reality is it. And you begin to attack their character. This is powerful stuff, the words that we choose and the words that we use, especially at work. In my lifetime, I've been a part of two churches that literally split in half because of slander. Because of false accusations and gossip and talk and people building their tribes and their camps terribly destructive. Paul says it's unwholesome, it's unhealthy, it's unhelpful. How else do we do it? Sarcasm is the way that we do it. Sarcasm is a passive-aggressive way of making your point while trying to get a laugh. We mask it in humor so that we think, oh, it's, yeah, I'm just saying, oh, I'm just, having, I'm just messing with you. But really, there's a point behind the joke. And believe me, like an arrow, it always will find its target. You may be like, oh, I'm just joking, I'm just joking it will find someone to pierce and pierce their heart. That's the power of what sarcasm can do. You think about how else we contribute to unhealthy, unwholesome, unhelpful talk. Well, crude jokes, crude, rude jokes. Or maybe it's emails that you pass along. Inappropriate, as my mom would say, that's inappropriate. Those kind of jokes, those kind of emails, right? I worked in a restaurant for years. I think I learned all of the bad jokes right? It's, it's unhealthy. It's unhelpful. It's unwholesome. Anytime that you make sexist comments or racist comments or brush over people with a broad stroke, say, oh, well, they're always like that. Well, that's why we don't kind of deal with those kind of folks because they always... Any of those kind of comments that you make at work, it's unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful talk. I, I have you ever been in a, a work environment where you've seen someone just have like an outburst of anger. They just blew up. You ever been around someone at work with a short fuse, maybe as your boss, and you just didn't know like which one of them I'm getting today. And they have angry outbursts, and they'll just start, you know, swearing or screaming or, you know, cussing up a storm or whatever. And you've seen that like, oh my gosh, does that feel healthy, helpful, or fun to work around? Maybe you've had a few of those where you work. Last night when I was finishing up all this, and Going to, trying to go to bed. Someone was out in front of our house. I don't know why they chose the very front of our house. At around 11 o'clock at night, I'm trying to fall asleep. And they are just screaming at someone in their cell phone. Just yelling, angry, yo, you lie, no, you're a liar. Having this very intense, angry outburst right in front of my house. I wanted to figure out how to get like a, on a three-way call to help mediate the situation <laughs> so that I could get a good night's sleep before coming here today. You've been around folks like that. It's unwholesome, it's unhealthy, it's unhelpful. Anytime you lie at work, or you know, we don't like to think of it like that, so anytime you fudge the facts or round up to your advantage that's unwholesome, it's unhealthy, it's rotten fruit, and it never quite gets you what you think it's going to get you in the end. If you're engaging in any one of those ways, and I'm sure you could tell me a lot more from your work experience, or if we were to all be honest about our lives, the ways that we contribute and kind of reflect the culture through unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful talk. Paul says if you're engaged in any of that, his advice is really simple stop it. That's what he says. Stop it. Cut it out. It's not helping anyone, including you. It's not moving anything forward. It's not changing anything in your environment. Paul says to cut that out. All you're doing is just being a thermometer, reflecting the culture around you. And we live in a very unique, I just want to add a comment here. We're living through a very unique cultural moment as we look at the power of words publicly, and how accusations and words are being used that are shaping and shifting a whole culture right now, a whole discourse in our country right now. If you wonder about the power of words, just pay attention to what's going on in our country right now, and you'll begin to see how unwholesome, unhealthy words can begin to infect those around you in a negative way. You know, I remember years ago, the power of Unwholesome, unhealthy words, and how they not only changed kind of the climate around me, but they actually had an impact for years and years and years to come. I was pretty young in uh, my career as a as a pastor, and so I was kind of just starting out a couple years in. It's probably about fifteen years ago or so, and I remember a certain boss of mine uh, called me into their office. They, you know, I got I got a little note saying, "Hey, I want you to come on up and come into my office." And typically, when you get called into the boss's office, It's not because they want to just remind you of how awesome you are. You know, just, I just want to tell you you're doing a great job. Keep at it, Tiger. That's not typically what happens. They have some feedback for you, whether you want it or not. And that was exactly the case in this situation. There was feedback that this particular boss wanted to give me. I just recently done some teaching and they wanted to give me some feedback. And here's the thing, as I look back on it now, they weren't off. Their feedback, their insight, they kind of saw a part of me that I couldn't see, was actually accurate, <clears throat> but it was the words they chose to use to wrap them in that didn't actually help. In fact, if I'm being honest, it really, really hurt because they didn't just have kind of critique or feedback on my actions. They attacked my character and made assumptions about who I am and kind of said some things about me, and it really hurt really affected me. Again, I'm young and I am wanting to do a good job at my job. And then to hear this from a boss, someone above me, their words weren't healthy or helpful. I would say, according to Paul's measure here, they were unwholesome. And I walked out of their office with my tail between my legs thinking, I I might as well quit now and to go find a career, another career, because I don't know if I'll ever, ever, ever be able to measure up, be able to do this right. Here's the crazy thing. I can tell you exactly where I was sitting. I can tell you exactly how the conversation went. In fact, as recently as this last summer, I was still talking about it with my counselor (laughs) some 15 years later. Because that's the power that hurtful, harmful, unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful words can actually have on your life. Listen to this. The wisdom that offered to us from Pastor Joel Osteen says this, you can say something hurtful in 10 seconds, but 10 years later, the wounds are still there. True? It only takes 10 seconds to put someone on blast, to kind of, you know, tear them apart with your words. You can do it in a second. Maybe it feels good to you in that moment. It may take 10 years for someone to actually heal from those Wounds, and my hunch is, if you were to get really quiet, if you were to sit really still for a moment, that you might actually be able to go back to a moment that someone spoke harsh, or unhealthy, or unhelpful, or hurtful, even words to you at your life. I bet you, if we sat still for about thirty seconds or so, you could go right back to them yourself. Maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a boss and you remember where you were sitting, you remember how it felt, and in fact, it may still be in you and have come to define a part of you to this very day. And if you know how that feels to be on the other side of those words, imagine how it feels to be on the other side of you when you offer those words. And maybe, maybe the whole reason you came here this weekend I'm going to give like some, I think, some really helpful next steps here in a moment. But maybe the most important, in fact, the only next step you need to hear is that there are some people in your life that you've used harsh, hurtful, unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful words with maybe recently or not long ago, and you know it. Even as I say it right now, you know how you spoke to them. You know how you tore them down with your words. And the most important thing you need to do today is to make it right, is to ask for their forgiveness. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it was someone that worked for you. I don't know. But you know what it's like to receive those words. So imagine what it's like to be on the other side of you receiving those words. It's powerful. It takes 10 seconds to tear someone down, but it can last for years and years and years to come. But thankfully, God says, there is actually another way. Paul offers us kind of at the beginning, he's like, don't do this, but here's what you can replace it with. Replace unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful talk with this kind of talk. Let's go back to Ephesians 4, 29 and look at how we can actually reset the climate where we work. He says this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is what? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Interesting caveat we'll get to in a second, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this is powerful words that Paul is offering us about the words that we can offer to others. In other words, what Paul is saying here is your words can either beat someone up or build someone up. You decide. Your words have the power to either beat someone up or actually build someone up. You can build, as Paul is saying here, build someone up But every day, every week, at work, wherever it is you work, whatever it is you do, you get to decide, will your words beat someone up or will they actually build someone up? Will your words, will you serve up ripe and fresh words that are healthy and helpful and full of life? And I love that little caveat that Paul gives there. He says, according to their need. And what he's saying there is that it's words that you would offer, words of life specifically for that individual, Now think about it for a second. Have you ever gone to the dry cleaner or to a tailor and had a shirt custom altered or a suit or a dress altered to fit you? Like maybe it's a wedding dress and you get it to fit. Like off the rack is fine, but then you have someone custom alter that. It feels good, doesn't it? It was made just for you. And as you're standing there in that tiny little stage and you're looking into that mirror, you're just hoping you don't gain a pound for the rest of your life because you look great in that dry cleaner or that Tailors, all you know. Okay, so you know what that feels like to have something custom tailored, custom made for you. That's what Paul's talking about here, is that you would choose words custom tailored, uniquely, specifically for that person. That you would speak words purposefully and personally to the people that you work with, to the people that surround you in your life. That little caveat is the difference between good intentions and great intentionality. It's the difference between carelessness and thoughtfulness that you would say, I want to speak these specific words because I know who this person is. And I know that these words will build them up, will breathe life into them. Can you imagine what would happen if you went to work and made it your job at work to be the epicenter of encouragement around you? wherever it is you work. Again, work in office, work at home, wherever it is. But you walked in saying, look, I may have all these tasks I have to do, but I know what my real job is. It's to be the epicenter of encouragement, to be the eye of the storm of encouragement, of words that build others up. That gives you a whole new purpose at work. That gives you a whole new purpose of the people that are in proximity with you. What does that look like to be that epicenter of encouragement, to build others up? With your words, well, a couple thoughts you might want to jot these down. Maybe this will be some fun to play with this week. Couple thoughts: first is call out character, not just accomplishments. A way that you can really build someone up, custom tailor words for them, is that you call out their character, not just their accomplishments. Calling out their accomplishments is great. That's kind of what you do at work. Hey, great job on that report. Hey, great job last month. Hey, you really did a great. That's great. That's awesome. That's fine, and it's good. But when you speak to someone's character, you're speaking to the core of who they are, not just what they do, but who they are. Like if someone continues to show up like ready for work, they're on time or even, God forbid, early to work, and they show up and they're ready to roll, and you notice that, maybe you're a coworker, maybe you're their boss, for you to speak to their character would mean to say, hey, I really appreciate you. Because every time I see you, you show up, here ready to roll. And what that shows me is that you really are grateful for this job or that you really appreciate what you're doing or that you're all in. And I'm so grateful for that kind of attitude around here. Thank you. That's inspiring to me. Or you come out of a really rough meeting where someone kind of gets torn up and you speak to their character and say, hey, I know when the boss was lighting you up, I noticed that you didn't fight back, that you didn't power up. And I just want to say, I really respect that. I see that in you. That took great self-control. And I really respect that in you. I'm learning that from you. When you speak to someone's character, it's like wind in their sails. It's oxygen in their lungs. And that's something you can do to speak words of life to build others up. Another way you can do that at work is to celebrate someone else's win. It's so easy at work to make it all about you and you gotta make sure that you do it and everyone notices what you've done and you get your accomplishments so that everyone can see. But when you celebrate someone else's win, that builds them up. That creates a little climate around you that it's not all about you. And so you can say, even if their win comes at the sake of maybe you losing out or you not getting a bonus or you not getting accolades or attention for you still to say, hey, I wanna celebrate what you did, I really, I, I, well done on that. Great job on that. You know what that does? That actually immediately, like it, like it cuts off jealousy and envy at the pass. It's one of the greatest ways for you to combat jealousy and envy is to celebrate authentically someone else's win. How else can you do that? Well, This one seems so simple, but I don't think we often do it enough. One of the ways that you can build someone up with your words Specifically, if you're not the boss, so if there's someone over you, here's what you can do. Thank your boss for what they do. Now, let me just say, as a boss, and I am a boss. As a boss, (laughs) I can't tell you what it means when someone on our team says, hey, I want to thank you for taking the risk to start this whole thing. I want to thank you and Jeannie for the culture that you've created here. I want to thank you... I can't tell you what it means to me to receive those words. And for you to say to your supervisor or your boss, hey, I just want to thank you. Thanks for what, and whatever you can authentically say, say it. You have no idea. You have no idea what those words will actually mean to them. I remember when we were first starting this church, the whole first year that we were starting it regularly, if not monthly, regularly, Jean and I would email or text our previous two bosses, both senior pastors of churches that we worked at, and we would say, all caps, thank you. And then immediately after that, we had no idea. And we would go on to tell them, I had no idea when I worked for you, all of these things that you were doing that I never even noticed. And now that I'm sitting, now that we're sitting in this seat, I see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, this is actually a tradition that Jeannie has kept up every year on our church's anniversary. She sends a letter to our two former bosses, two former pastors, and tells them all the things she learned about leadership that last year and blesses and thanks them for the leadership that they've had in her life. You have no idea what that does to receive that. So that's something you can do, to just say thank you to someone that's over you. You can text it or email it, but it's always best in person. But if you kind of work by yourself or work remotely, it never hurts to text someone, never hurts to email out a client and just say, hey, I just want to thank you for this, to bless them, to be that epicenter of encouragement. Another way that you can do that is to say something kind about someone else when they're not around. That cuts gossip off of the past, is that you speak kindly about others, even when they're not around, even if they're not there. Man, I'm so grateful for Greg, he really, he's such a valued part of this team. I'm so glad he's a part of this organization. You set that kind of culture around you, the gossipers are going to steer clear. They're gonna steer clear. And just like gossip, that arrow always finds its target. An encouragement spoken about someone when they're not around will make its way back to them, I guarantee you. It's a way that you can set the climate, set the culture around you. One of the things I love about our staff and our team is that every Monday, every Monday, At one o'clock, right after lunch, we all huddle up for 30 minutes. Our whole team sits around the table and we spend 30 minutes thanking God for all of you. And it's so fun because it's a storytelling time. So our team will tell stories about you, about volunteers, about leaders in our church, about folks who, you know, just we couldn't do this without that are moving the mission of this church forward. And we tell little stories about you. And what I love about our staff is after someone will say, you got to know what so-and-so did this last week. It's unbelievable. So grateful for them, blah, blah, blah. You'll see right afterwards them sending a little text saying, hey, just want to let you know our team just bragged about you for the last five minutes. So grateful to God for you. I'm telling you, when you speak about someone when they're not around positively encouraging. It always finds its way back to them. And what's so crazy about these kind of things? There's lots more we could talk about if we had more time about how you can offer words that build people up. You know what's so crazy about it? This powerful thing that can affect and shape the culture around you and for years to come. Do you know how long it actually takes you to do it? About 30 seconds. Maybe 60 seconds if you're not so good with words. If you want to go like next level and handwrite a note, 2 minutes. Maybe 3 if you can't find their address. <laughs> you have no idea what that small investment of your time with those words will do in their life. It's not hard. You love to receive it. I love to receive it. So let's become the kind of people that give it that offer it and change the culture of those around us. Mother Teresa said it so perfectly. Kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echoes are truly endless. Kind words can be short and easy to speak. I just want to say this. I want to encourage you this. I want to thank you for this. Short and easy to speak, but their echoes can truly be endless. Another quick story, and then we'll wrap our time up. I remember very early on when I began in this whole thing, again, early on in my career, I will never forget the handwritten note that I got from one of my bosses, one of my supervisors. They had listened to me teach. I'd only taught a couple times at this church, was just kind of getting started. They had listened to me give a sermon and they took notes and they made all these little comments and they said, hey, I noticed when you did this, that was awesome and you are really, really good at this and then they kind of wrapped it all up saying, I really believe God's marked your life for ministry. You're a dynamic communicator. We're so grateful to have you a part of this church. You don't think those words, I mean, those words built me up. I wanted to blow that up at Kinko's and frame it and hang it on my, I wanted to make a t-shirt out of that note, just walk into work every day so that everyone could know what they thought of me. I couldn't believe what those words meant to me. It maybe took him two or three minutes. I still remember it to this very day. And you know what the crazy thing is? The person that wrote me that note, It's the same guy who called me into his office. You have no idea how powerful your words are. So let's use them well. Let's not let any unwholesome, unhealthy, unhelpful talk come out of our mouths, especially at work. But let's use our words to build others up, not beat them up, to actually build them up. Because the impact of your words can have an effect not only to change the climate around you, but for years to come. In studying and preparing for this message, I came across a, a study done by the Harvard Business Review. They wanted to see the effect of words in the workplace. And they interviewed a bunch of managers and a bunch of employees, and findings were fascinating. One of the things that they found in this study was that for every negative, harsh, critical unhealthy, unhelpful, or as Paul would say, unwholesome comments spoken by a boss at work that it takes five encouraging words of belief, of support to make up for, to compensate for that one negative one. And The same is true of our lives. My hunch is you remember critique far more than you do encouragement. That takes five encouraging words of life of building up to compensate, to make up for one hurtful, harmful, unhealthy, unhelpful, unwholesome comment. So what I thought would be fun for our homework this week, again, wherever it is you work, whatever you do, I thought this would be really fun for us to do together as a church. I thought it'd be fun for us to see each day, whatever it is that you do, To have five moments where you encourage someone else let's tip the scales together five comments and it may be all to one person it may be to your boss it may be to co-workers i mean can you imagine if you focus on one person all week it might get annoying so spread the love (laughs) spread the love out just a little Mm -hmm. bit but your goal and make it fun to have five unique comments you think oh oh man that's hard how am i gonna do that It's going to take you about two and a half minutes a day. You spend more time deleting email. You can do this. You can tip the scales. We can be the kind of people that build others up with our words. Five encouraging words of life that build someone up. Can you do that this week? At one of our earlier gatherings, when we were leaving, I was standing at the door. Someone came up to me and put their hand on my shoulder and said, I just want to let you know that was such an encouraging sermon. It was so helpful. And they kind of went on like, I just love this church and the way that you make it so practical. And they kind of said that. I'm like, oh, thank you. And then they looked at me and they said, that's one. That's Okay, so that's not necessarily the spirit. I mean, it counts, but still. You don't have to do this every time. Like, check it off on your wall. It's an internal scorekeeping. Can we agree to that to not make it weird? All right, good. So imagine what that would be like if all over this city, all over this city, and all the different facets where God has given you an opportunity to work, whatever that may be, in your home, in your office, in a warehouse, in a school, a hospital. Can you imagine what might happen if these little epicenters of encouragement started popping up? And we took this challenge from God seriously to not let any unwholesome talk come out but to build others up with our words. Can you imagine how the light and the love of God might spread and work its way even more so throughout this city, starting in the places where you work? So I wanna pray for you towards that end. I'm gonna ask you to stand up if you would, and I'd love to pray for you, and then we'll close out our time together. And we take a posture here of prayer with open hands, and it just kind of represents open hearts. So if you want to open up your hands, think about your work, think about what's facing you this week, and open hearts and minds to God, I'd love to pray for you as we consider taking this challenge together today. God, I thank you for the fact that everything we see around us, this entire world, our lives itself, were actually spoken into existence with your words. And your word has been speaking to us today, God, challenging us on the words that you've given us to use. And so God, may it be true of us that we build others up, not beat others up with our words. And God, I pray, I wanna specifically pray right now for every person here who's maybe a boss or a manager has a team of people under them. God, I pray that they would take this challenge seriously this week, that they would out-encourage anyone else in their organization, that they would bless those around them, God not just see them as people to get done, whatever it is they need to get done, but they would bless them and build them up with words. And God, I also want to pray for anyone right now who is discouraged at work, who just feels like it's an unhealthy, unhelpful, toxic environment. And God, they don't even know how they're going to make it through and they can't stand this or that or the other. God, I pray that you would give them a new vision for their work this week, a new purpose, a new job at work this week, that despite what the culture may be around them, they can change the climate, God, by using the words you've given us to build others up. God, I pray you'd give them hope and encouragement that your word and your love, God, would be a gift to them today and that we would see all of our life as an opportunity to trust you, that we would surrender it all to you, that it's not our work life and our God life, but God, you are actually with us every moment at work. It's our life with you. And so help us, God, to surrender all of that to you today and to trust you with it. It's in your name that we pray, amen.